Let me ask you a question. How is your sleep with type 1 diabetes? My guess is if you think about it, your sleep could use some work. Let's be honest. Sleeping with type 1 diabetes is challenging. You have high blood sugars, you have low blood sugars that keep you up at night. You have the worry about the highs and lows. And then you have CGM alarms and alerts that are going off all night long. These things can make sleep downright challenging. What if I told you that part of the challenges you're having with sleep are not related to diabetes, but they're related to your mindset and how you think about sleep, how you approach sleep, and also the behaviors that you have around your sleep. Certainly, blood sugars and diabetes get in the way. They make things hard. But then your mindset makes it even harder. Sleep is what we're talking about on this episode of the Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast that coaches you through a five-step plan for how to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes. We do this by helping you build the critical parts of your diabetes management like a sailboat. You are the captain, the hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management, the sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll find smooth sailing with type 1 diabetes. Each week, I coach someone with T1D just like you on how to optimize their sailboat. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. And on this episode of the podcast, we're focusing on the sails of the boat as well as the rudder. With sleep, your behavior and your mindset are critical. And we want to make sure that you are strong in both areas so you can set yourself up for success with your sleep. My guest today is Nikki, and she talks about how she hasn't had a good night's sleep with type 1 diabetes in years. And in this coaching session, I work with Nikki to change her mindset as well as thinking about some ways she can change her behavior in order to set herself up for success with sleep. If you've ever had a hard time getting a good night's sleep with type 1 diabetes, this episode is for you. Nikki, glad to have you on the podcast today. Really happy that you're here and excited to talk to you and help you navigate the challenges that you're having, especially around sleep uh, with diabetes. But before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about you uh, your life with diabetes, when we were diagnosed, and kind of how things been going since that time to now. Okay. Well, um, like you said, my name is Nikki. I currently live in Oklahoma, born and raised here. I was diagnosed on September 5th, 1985. I was five years old at the time. I turned six a week later in the hospital. Um, back then, it was 15 to 20 different finger sticks a day. It was five to eight shots. It was, it was way different than it is now. So I've, I've run the gambit of insulin shots, finger sticks to now continuous blood sugar monitors and insulin pumps and all of that information. So I, it is, it's been a wild ride (laughs) for sure. Um, I'm, I'm working on my 37th year of being diagnosed. Um, I wouldn't change it though. As weird as that sounds, I have met some of the most amazing people. I have met my best friend through this disease. So um, I don't think I'd change it as much as I would love to say, give me the cure, you know, or whatever you want to call it. It's, I would never change it. I've met some awesome people and it's shaped who I am. So 
Yeah. Well, you say a lot of things that I, I love to dive into, especially that you know your anniversary and that it happened right before you turned six. I think yep. that people who, it, it, I, I think, in my opinion, knowing and commemorating your anniversary every year is a helpful thing. But that's not what we're oh, going to yeah. talk about. Um, you're, and we're here to talk <laughs> about uh, sleep. So tell us about life with diabetes in, in this time of your life, in your early 40s, it sounds like, and how the challenges of a, of a sleep around diabetes, how they come about, what what brings them on, and then what have you tried to deal with them? Um, as far as my personal experience with sleep and, and my disease, I don't sleep much. Um, okay. I am, as weird as it sounds, I'm not in constant fear, but I am in fear I'm going to go low never wake up. I'm in fear that I will go high. I will never wake up. Um, since having this disease so long, I don't feel 90% of my lows. So hence why I have the Dexcom and my continuous pleasure monitor. But I, it is very difficult for me to get a full six to eight hours of rest and be like, okay, I feel refreshed. I feel great. I don't think I fall asleep before two or three in the morning honestly. And I have tried melatonin. I've tried white noise. I've tried cranking the AC down to 62 when it's five degrees outside. So my family suffers with it, but it's, it's been like that. See, I don't really remember my teenage years, but like ever since I had my first son when I was 21, I've noticed, and I'm sure being a mom's part of that as well, but it's, it's been very difficult without, um, I don't really know how to put this, heavy sleep medication, I guess, but I've never really been prescribed anything. I've never really been anything like that. So I've tried all sorts of, like I said, the melatonin and the, the white noise and all that kind of stuff, but nothing's really, I even went as far as working two full-time jobs, one overnight and one during the day. And that way, I wouldn't have to sleep. And then when I would sleep, I had to. It was like, your body needs rest. And that's when I would sleep. So thankfully, I only work one full-time job now. So <laughs> it's 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 trying to find that balance of taking care of my health and my, my blood sugars and my family and everything else and trying to get that full night rest without all the fear. And it sounds like your fear is not around lows or well, it's around both lows and highs. It's not focused on one Correct. or the other. Okay. So Correct. I mean, me- I feel my highs, but not necessarily. I mean, it's not like, oh, I feel terrible. I mean, I feel them, but my lows, no, mm-hmm. I don't feel at all. Hardly. Right. And have you ever had a severe low or a, a high where you've been in decay, a, a low where you need, needed help or a, or a high that's gotten you in trouble before? Um, I have had one low and I was in fourth grade. So several years back. Um, and I passed out in a field behind my house and luckily my best friend was with me, hopped the fence, grabbed my mom. I was Mm -hmm. within walking distance of the house. Um, a high, I can honestly say in the 37 years of being diabetic, I have never been in DKA. I've never been in DKA. So uh, no one ever believes me, but I mean, I, I've had super high blood sugars, but it's never thrown me over that threshold of, okay, you need additional help. So no, mm-hmm. thankfully not. 
So, And it's interesting because this is something we actually see a lot is people who have anxiety around highs and lows, whether it's at night or whether it's during the day. Um, and many of those folks like yourself have never had a severe high or low, or if they have, it's been long in the past and the memory of it's long faded, but that anxiety mm -hmm. is still there. Um, and sometimes it's the anxiety that we develop in our mind. And that doesn't mean you do anything wrong. It just means it means we're just it, that, that you have this anxiety response. Mm -hmm. So how has why is this a problem for you? I mean, and I and I ask that with all honesty, I, and I, I know that it is, but I want to hear because you're not sleeping well, what does that how does that impact the other parts of your life, your work, your family, your diabetes management? Um, my family, it, it affects big time because on the weekends when I'm not having to work, I work a Monday through Friday, nine to five job. So, which is very odd for me. I, I am a night owl again, because I don't sleep. And so this is a new, I say new, I've been doing it for five years. Um, trying to get used to that, but I am so exhausted by the weekend. I sleep almost all weekend. I will get up okay. at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. My youngest son still lives at home. He's 19, wants to do stuff. And then I'm right back in bed taking a nap. So it's like, and then my nap lasts till eight or nine o'clock at night. And it's like, okay. okay, great. But that, I mean, it, it does, it strains out my relationship with my, my family, um, work. It's, it's difficult. I'm lucky enough or unlucky. However you want to look at it. I still work from home. Um, we're in the process of trying to, navigate back but it's it's very difficult to stay attent uh, attentive i was trying to think of the word um i i can i mean i do but it's lots of coffee lots of caffeine lots mm -hmm. of you know and i don't mind drinking diet pepsi or coffee because that's what i drink but it's you know it's that and the diabetes management i know that's not good on my blood sugars i know it's not yeah. and i it's it's just stressful. And it, like you said, it's anxiety ridden just because of it's constantly going through my head. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So walk me through what your evening and nighttime routine looks like, especially around bed. So you said that you, you go to sleep at two or three in the morning. Are you in bed before that? Or are you up until that time and, and then going to bed at getting into bed at two or three in the morning? I usually uh, on a weekday like tonight, with you know like tonight my husband and i will start winding down we have a one-year-old dog who's on a schedule which still blows my mind but whatever um he likes to be in his room mm -hmm. at 9 30 9 9 30 so we will okay. put poda you know in his kennel he'll he'll wind down everything's good i will try to head towards bed you know we're we're winding down we're sitting around either talking with each other or whatever. We'll start winding down about 10 o'clock, maybe. I will probably make my way into bed 10, 30, or 11, but okay. I'm not tired at okay. all. And it's either I will silently play games on my phone or not so silently play games on my phone, which I'm sure my husband loves, but that's – or I'll go in the living room and read. And mm -hmm. I get lost in reading anyways. I love to read, but – it, that's usually how it is. So we're pretty boring. And then, and then, and then where does this anxiety come up for you? When do you start thinking about your blood sugars going high or low during the day or at night? 
in the in this process? Um, I think the anxiety with my lows is always there. Okay. I mean, it is not to the point that it is so debilitating that I can't do anything, but mm-hmm. I will check my CGM before I drive. I will check my CGM when I get to Walmart or Target or wherever. So I think it's kind of always there. Um, I think once I get to the point that, okay, I'm winding down, I'm, I'm going to get into bed. I think I probably check my CGM I'm, and I'm not even kidding you between 1030 and whenever I fall asleep, I would say at least a dozen, if not more, more so. And it just, okay. that's, I think when it starts to kind of nitpick at me, I guess is the word. I don't really know the word. So. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it becomes this overwhelming barrage of information and then you wonder where, where are things yes. going? And it becomes like this, you need to check, you need to check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it's, you... it's to the point that I'm like, Oh, I'll play a game. And then maybe that'll mm-hmm. take my mind off of it or something like that. But I... yeah. And then when you do fall asleep, are you able to sleep through the night? Or are you waking up in the middle of the night, either to alerts and alarms or to anxiety about highs or lows? Um, most of the time I'm able to sleep through the night. If I'm able to sleep, um, there will be alerts. Um, mm-hmm. the anxiety doesn't really last through, if that makes any sense after I've fallen asleep, once I'm asleep, I'm asleep. So mm-hmm. I just, if, unless my alarms are going off cause they have to be loud. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I won't mess with anything, but that's usually, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some, some strategies that you can use here. Um, what I'm hearing from you okay. is that you have, so certainly you have this anxiety about highs and lows and that, that, that's there. Um, and in, in many ways that, that, that anxiety is very real. Um, but my, my, I wonder for you, do you feel that the anxiety is a real fear of what could happen if you go high or low uh, and, and real that, and that, that that's realistically going to happen? Or I wonder if it's a part of it, or maybe the maybe part of it, or the whole thing is the habit of being anxious about highs and lows. I think that sometimes we have a mindset that um, you know I should be fearful of these things, or I am fearful mm-hmm. of these things, and mm-hmm. maybe for in a certain period of life, of life, that is a helpful way of thinking. Because you know maybe you just had a low, or maybe your blood sugars have been really wacky, or maybe you're pregnant. Uh, and so those types of worries are um, more front of mind, but then mm-hmm. the habit of worry sticks with you and yeah. you feel that um, it's like, I, that here's where I am. I should be worried about it as opposed to actually having a reason to be worried about it. And so you tell yourself, you know, I'm going to bed and the reason I'm not sleeping is, is because I'm anxious. Um, and you feel anxious because you think you should be, as opposed to feeling anxious because there is a real pressing need to be anxious at that time. And I wonder, as I say that, whether or not that rings true for you at all. I am a worrier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I work and it's not just normally it's not me. I don't mm-hmm. worry about me. I mm-hmm. I worry about my kids. I worry about I, literally anything you can worry about. That's that's my job. So yeah. I I I'm the I, yeah, I'm the worrier. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably that's probably part of it. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past my brain, honestly. Well, so and I, and I want to point out to you as as you're talking the words that you're using. Um 
identifying, you know, as a warrior saying, this is who mm-hmm. I am. Not, not something that I do every once in a while or regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I drink water every day, but I don't necessarily, I don't call myself a water drinker. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, yeah. I, I know that's, I know that's a little bit of a silly example, but you know, if I identify as a water drinker, what does that mean about me? I mean, I'm not sure, but it means something very, very different than I drink water um, three or four times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you say to yourself, I am a warrior, it actually, it makes it part of you. It makes it part of you and not only what you do, but who you are and what you, what you need to do on a regular basis in order to continue to be you. And so I want to encourage you as, as you're thinking about this, as you're thinking about your sleep, especially, but your, your anxiety in general about diabetes is to maybe reframe the way you say that. And that, that could take some time, but say, I, I worry a lot. Um, that's, that, 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 that's a behavior as opposed to this is who I am. I am a worrier. And because there must be some times where you're not worrying whether it's when you're out for dinner with your husband or whether it's when you're, you know, on a walk, um, maybe there are times when you're not worried, you're just, mm-hmm. you're peaceful or you're doing other things. Um, but if you say I'm worried, that's the lens that you're seeing everything with diabetes through. And that can um, lead to this expectation that I need to worry. Um, when there are, ter- there are certainly times when worrying can be really helpful and I want you to worry. If your blood sugar is crashing low with two arrows down at 45, I really want mm-hmm. you worried there, <laughs> whether you feel oh, it or yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if your blood yeah. sugar, if your blood sugar is cruising stable at 140 and you're going to bed and you don't have any insulin on board and you haven't eaten anything recently, um, that worry, it may be there, but it's not helping you to stay safe. And so, but how we identify can really be a lens that, that can be helpful for us. So that, that, that's number one. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day. And every day is clear to me that people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage the stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. 
That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. Number two is I'm curious for you when you go to bed, are you thinking about um, and planning before bed about um, when you're eating and how much insulin you have on board at that time? So for example, maybe you stop eating at eight o'clock so that you so that by 10 and 30 or 11, you're, you're most of the food that you have and most of the insulin that you may have taken for it, it's out of your body. Uh, is that something that ever, ever crosses your mind? Uh, the insulin on board part does. Okay. Um, so that, that, that can be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I think a big part of sleep with diabetes is one, um, making a plan and, and, and also, um, being intentional about your behavior. So, I mean, for, for, for people who are worried about this stuff, and I think I, there's no problem with this type of behavior is, you know, you may, maybe set some boundaries for yourself around eating, stop, stopping eating at eight o'clock and, you know, take your insulin and then making sure when you go to bed, making sure that you have less than a unit, a unit on board or whatever, whatever is appropriate for you and your diabetes management plan. So that when you go, you're going to bed, you're fairly certain that, um, whatever happens for you is going to stay stable. And then if it does, if your blood sugar does go high or low, um, that you can trust your CGM to let you know mm-hmm. about that and that you can actually get up to take action. That's, I, I, I think, really helpful. Okay. The other part of the, uh, the other part of this is, is a sleep thing. And it's, it's something that we, it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, when I was in grad school, I, I actually did some work with sleep uh, and, and, and psychology. And it's really quite interesting. So the, the, you think to yourself, okay, I need to go to bed. So I'm going to go lay in my bed and I'm going to just lay there until I fall asleep and play games and read and do whatever. And actually that's, that's actually really bad advice, even though we all do it. And it's all, it's all, it's all kind of the natural thing that we do. But mm-hmm. what happens is you get into bed at 1030 and you're not tired. And so you're, you're laying in bed from 1030 until 130 or two, and you're checking your phone. So you're getting this barrage of information, which is increasing your anxiety and increasing your brain activity uh, because you're looking at your blood sugars. You're also playing games. uh, And so your body starts associating being in bed with being awake. And what you really want to be doing is like having these mental um, connections be when I'm in bed, I'm asleep, not awake. But when you go to bed at night, um, certainly there's that anxiety about your blood sugar there that's not being helped by looking at your phone. Uh, and looking mm-hmm. at your blood sugar on your CGM, but also your body is saying to yourself, or your mind says, okay, when I get into bed, I stay awake for four hours. And that becomes the habit. It's, it's more than a habit. It's like, it's actually like neuro, neurally wired that way. And the only way and the best way to stop that is only go to bed when you are falling asleep. So the best piece of advice is if you get into bed 1030 and you, you know, turn the lights off, put the phone away and put your head on the pillow is to if you if you can't sleep after 15 minutes get out of bed and go in another room in a, in a quiet place and do something that's not doesn't be really boring but you want i mean don't watch an action movie uh, maybe do if you, <laughs> okay. if, 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 if you knit or if you um read you read something that's like it's entertaining enough but not gonna like engross you and then yeah. as soon as you feel like you're falling asleep um go back to bed and and do the same thing um, for 15 minutes. If you're not asleep in 15 minutes, get up. And at some point, you're going to get so tired that you're going to fall asleep in bed. 
And that, that can rewire your brain to say, okay, when I'm in bed, I'm asleep, as opposed to what's happening for you right now is I'm in bed and I'm awake. Um, and then you blame diabetes for that. When maybe diabetes has a partial blame for that, but also the, the habit that, that you set, up, set yourself up for may also be adding to that, um, that challenge. Um, and then the third behavioral thing that I want to suggest is, if you can, um, is to put your phone and all your CGM data away from you. And trust that, you know, make sure that you know that you can, that when it goes off, if, if you have, you're having a low or having a high that you need to pay attention to, that you have the ability to hear it and take action. But when we have our phones so close by, and I, I'm guilty of this as well, um, you know, it's really easy to get up in the middle of the night and say, you know, the first thing, you, the first thing we all think of, at least most people with diabetes think of when you wake up at two o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom or just because you wake up is what's my blood sugar. And so you look at it and then you start thinking about it. Um, and luckily right now with the technology that we have, we have the ability to be warned and, and alerted when things are not right. So we have the ability to put our devices out of reach so that mm-hmm. if we have to look at them and sometimes you might want to look at them, um, you have to actually have to make an intentional effort to do it, get out of bed and actually go look for it, which is probably cold and not comfortable. Um, and that can yeah. get you in the habit of, uh, of sleeping, but you want to set with diabetes, you want to set yourself up for success with your sleep. And part of that is um, making sure that you're safe, making sure that you know that you're safe. Um, with the insulin and food on board, and also making sure that you are not distracted and that you're able to train yourself and train your body to um, sleep naturally when that's when that's there. So um, those are a couple of uh, of suggestions, but also the mind the mindset. So really talking about kind of two air, two pillars of mental health with diabetes here is what one is the mindset of like you know, that diabetes is going to make things hard for me. To, it's going to make it hard for me to sleep that I, I need, I should be anxious. That's that, that's a mindset shift. And then a behavioral shift is how you actually operationalize the sleep is, you know, what, how am I setting myself up for, for good success to sleep well, both with my blood sugars, but also just with my sleep hygiene to make sure that, you know, when you go to bed, you're going to be um, set up in a way that is going to increase the chances that you're going to sleep well throughout the night. And the more you're able to do that, the better off you're going to be because you train your mind, you train your body, and you gain evidence to say, okay, for the past five years, I haven't slept well, but for the last five nights I have, what could happen tonight? And then you train yourself. And then five years from now, we're talking and you say, wow, I've slept really well nine out of 10 nights for the past five years. I'm a good sleeper. And you can buy that. That's the... <laughs> That, 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 that's a thought that you can buy. I think, you know, you, you, yeah. you can own that. I'm a good sleeper thing. Well, I would encourage you not to own that. I am anxious and therefore that's how things are going to be. Because if you have that mindset and say, I'm an anxious person, then, and so, so I don't sleep well. Well, it's going to be really hard for you to sleep well if you buy and own the, the belief that you are anxious all the time. Doesn't mean you're anxious sometimes, but that you are anxious all the time. So I'm going to pause there and see what your reactions and thoughts and questions are um, around what I just suggested to you. I have, I have never thought of it that way as far as <laughs> I'm a warrior or I worry. I, it's, yeah. it's always been, I mean, since I was younger, mm. Nikki's a warrior, Nikki's a warrior. That's, that's yeah. how it's always been. So I've never, yeah. you know, I've just gotten in the mindset of, okay, 
I can yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm great at it. Yeah, I'm good at it. So, of course, you, know. so I, you want to do things that you're good at, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I excel at that. I can tell you that yeah. right now. But I, it, that, that, that does, I mean, it's doable. It's everything that you've suggested is doable. And yeah. I can see myself going through the steps and I'm going, okay, well, yeah, there's that. And I could move that away. I could. So it's all doable. It's not like you're asking me to jump off the roof or then jump off the Eiffel Tower because that's never going to happen. Sorry. Sure. Um, too scared of heights. But, you know, it's it it's all it's all doable. And mm. like I said, the whole mentality of I am a warrior or I worry. I mean, yeah, I could sit and ponder that all day, but I would have never. Yeah. I'm yeah. a warrior. That's what but, I do. But I, I think in the context of this conversation as well, I'm not a good sleeper. I don't. I yeah. don't sleep. I don't sleep well. And maybe the yeah. truth is that's not who you are. Maybe you haven't slept well for the past 15 years. Fair enough. But that doesn't mean that that is part of your identity. It, does, it doesn't yeah. mean that 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 behavior or that ability to to sleep well can't change. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that mindset. The other thing I want to point out to you real quick before we end today is that you said that, that on weekends you're taking naps all day long. And I want, and so that, that yeah. proves to me, well, I mean, <laughs> again, whatever the, the timing is, but that shows me that you have the ability to sleep and the diabetes mm-hmm. is not getting in the way of that. It's just that the, your sleep schedule and the way you thought about sleep and the way you thought about how diabetes impacts your sleep is, ha, has really, um, made this a comp- more complicated challenge. And I wonder if we made it less complicated by kind of pulling these pieces away and setting you up for success with sleep with diabetes. Um, you may get to a point where those naps on weekends are not necessary and you'll be able to spend the time uh, that you want with your family and engage in all of the thing- the fun things that you want to be doing as opposed to taking naps on weekends. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. this has been a pleasure talking to you, Nikki, and giving you this advice. And thank you so much for, for sharing with us. I know, know the listeners will be, um, many of them will identify with the challenges that you're having because sleep and diabetes is one of the things that we don't talk enough about, but it's a challenge that, that many of us have. So thank you. And I hope this has been helpful. It has been very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. On every episode of the podcast, I give you some key action items that you can use from this podcast episode to implement in your life so you can have an easier time managing special type 1 diabetes. The key takeaway from this episode is make a plan around sleep. Decide what time you go to bed at night, and from there, work backwards. Make sure you haven't eaten recently. Make sure you don't have much insulin on board. That'll help you to reduce your anxiety and sleep better knowing your blood sugars are in range when you go to bed. Also, consider putting your phone or CGM receiver away from your bed. Trust that when it alerts you, you will be able to hear it. But when you're barraged with information throughout the night with your blood sugars, when you wake up and you look at it all the time, it's going to make sleep challenging. And so set yourself up for success by making sure you can hear your CGM alerts and alarms, but don't have easy access to look at it. And ask yourself, do I need to know what my blood sugar is all the time while I'm sleeping? Or can I just rely on the alerts and alarms on my CGM? Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat 
so you could have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.